certain things that happen in life that really you need to forget. But there are certain things that you can never forget. Certain things that happen in our life, the devil wants you to forget. He wants to steal those things from you. But God says, remind yourself. He even says to the Israelites, he says, tell your children when you sit and eat with them. Tell your children how I brought you out of Egypt. Tell your children how I took you out of where you were and to where you are. You know, with the coming of Jesus, the picture changed, but the, the outcome was the same. The, the coming out of Egypt was an image of what Jesus was going to do for us. It used to be just for the chosen Israel, but now it is to us, those who believe. The Bible gives us good news in, in uh, John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And those who believe will be saved, will have eternal life. How incredible is that? You know that simple news is not just for the dying world. It's also for us, the church, to remind us. To remind us of the basics. We need to come back to the basics. I want to uh, open up Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. This is one of the spots that the Great Commission is recorded in. I want to read that. These are the words of Jesus. I'm going to read out of the NLT. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can anybody say amen? amen. That is the good commission. That's the great commission. You know, Jesus is about to leave the earth. And he leaves some last news. The last news is always important. It's the thing you can't forget. I remember, you know, growing up and if parents left us at home alone, before they left, they gave us the last thing, right? Make sure this and this and this happens. I take Luke to Kingdom Kids and I'm like, Luke, last news. Don't bite anyone. Don't push anyone. Share the, la you know, the important stuff. The rest is going to be okay. But this stuff you can't forget. You got to remember the last news. Um, let's open up Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, and then verse 8. This is once again Jesus, and Luke records this. This is around the same time, but Jesus describes this last news for his disciples. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen? So the Great Commission. You can summarize it very simply. Go and share about Jesus. That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission shows us that salvation is not the final goal. That salvation is actually the starting point. When you are saved, that's not the final goal. Your moment of receiving Christ is not the final goal. Because God did not just love you that he gave his only son. No, it says, for God so loved the world. 
God so loved humanity. God so loved the dying people that he gave his one and only son. So in this great commission, he summarizes this. Imagine he's walked with these disciples for three and a half years. They've seen him perform miracles like Slavic just reminded us. Multiplying bread and fish, feeding the thousands. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen Jesus speak to the storm and calm it. They've seen all these things. They've experienced these things. And Jesus says, before he leaves, he says, I want you to share my goodness to the rest of the world. The last thing I want you to remember is that this was not just made for you 12. This was not just made for the 120 or, or the few hundred that I've personally encountered. This was done so that the world would be saved. That was the Great Commission. Salvation is the starting point and the Great Commission is our task. I want to tell you guys without a shadow of a doubt that you are called to fulfill the Great Commission. Can anybody say amen? So many people, and especially young people, they're so excited about their calling. They're so worried about their calling. I want, I want to know my calling. And it, that, that's such a, um, it's a term that can be misinterpreted so often. Yes, there's such a thing as talents and there's such a thing as, you know, God places us in different, in different things. And you might interpret that as a calling. And it, God will reveal that to you. You know, we, we see that there are different assignments for people. Some are missionaries, some are pastors, some are businessmen. Some are, they do all these different things across the board. But the great calling is the same for everyone. The great calling is the same for everyone. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a missionary, whether you're a businessman, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, whoever you are, your calling as a child of God is to share the good news of Jesus. Your calling as the child of God is to share the Great Commission, is to share the power of Jesus in your life. We can't get saved and close up in a bubble. We can't get saved, receive Christ, and, and start to live this incubated lifestyle. We are called to share the goodness that's placed in our life. Jesus says, listen, disciples, look at me. The things that happened in your life, they transformed your life. I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be witnesses of me. You know, as I was reading the Great Commission, something that I haven't seen before just kind of popped out that it's wrapped in Jesus. Notice, the first thing he says, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore. So the foundation for the Great Commission is the authority that Jesus has. Did you know that that authority still exists? Jesus is still the God of authority. He says, all authority has been given to me, therefore. It's such good news. It's such good news that it doesn't say, because you've become a good person, therefore. Because you've become perfect, therefore. Because these things you were able to achieve, therefore. No, he looks at the disciples and says, the prerequisite for you to be making disciples is my authority. The prerequisite for you to make disciples in this world is the power that I have. The prerequisite for you to make disciples in this world is the goodness of me. It's all about Jesus. And you know what? He finishes up the Great Commission with words that say, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus.
The great commission is Jesus Christ that needs to be revealed to this world. In Acts 1.8, he says, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. He tells his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. You see, every single person is called, every, every saved person is called to fulfill the Great Commission. But none of them are called to do it on their own. I'm going to say that again. Each one of you is called to fulfill the Great Commission. And none of you are called to do it on your own. Think about that. Each one of you are called to fulfill the Great Commission. And none of you are called to do it on your own. This is a task that you can't fulfill on your own. This is a task that's just too big for you. This is a task that's impossible to achieve with human hands. It's a task that we can't do by education. And, and I want to mention a few things that as I was praying, God, God was just showing me. Your discipleship and testimony the effectivity of them is directly correlated with your closeness and intimacy with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The closer, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more effective you are at creating disciples. The first thing I want to say is that knowledge is not enough. I want, I want to say that knowledge is not enough. To know about Jesus is not enough. You know that knowledge never made a witness? Just because you know something doesn't mean you're a witness of that thing. Knowledge doesn't make a witness. Knowing something does not classify you as a witness. If we open up uh, Acts chapter 19, there's a story. You know, some stories in the Bible, as you read them, you're like, that is just weird. This one is one of those stories. But it's here for a reason. Open up Acts chapter 19. Right before verse 13, we see Paul doing miracles. He, it says that handkerchiefs that touched Paul were laid upon people and they were healed and even demons were cast out of people. But then we're introduced to seven people who in, uh, tried to do the same. In verse 13, it says a group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out seven sons of Siva a leading priest were doing this but one time when they tried it the evil spirit replied I know Jesus and I know Paul but who are you then the man and uh, with the evil spirit leaped on them overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered that's a bad way to finish up your mission trip <laughs> they come and they say the right things they, they they probably saw Paul casting out demons they saw these things and they come to this man who's vividly possessed and they say in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches come out now how many of you know that there's power in the name of Jesus there is power in the name of Jesus there's no doubt in that and, and the Bible tells us to use the name of Jesus. But it doesn't start in knowledge. It doesn't start in knowledge. Knowledge can actually be dangerous. You see, the, the Word of God is compared to a sword. 
in the Bible. Yes? It says the word of God is a double-edged sword. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And unfortunately, many people get a hold of the word of God without an experience with Jesus and start to cut themselves and cut others. They start to use the word of God in such ridiculous ways that hurt many people around them. They start to do things that they were never asked to do. They start to do things that they were never supposed to be doing. I remember uh, going to Portland State University in 2010, 2009. Uh, I was studying civil engineering and some of the guys that studied the same degree, we, we kind of pretty much made a group of friends that studied together. And it was wonderful. We, we learned off one another. We, we challenged one another. And um, different backgrounds, different backgrounds, this whole group of people. And one of the guys who I actually became very close to, and um, I, I've been praying for him. To this day, I'm praying for him. His name's Michael. And uh, he was an atheist. He was an open atheist. And uh, quickly after meeting him, I shared, shared Christ with him. I, uh, he kind of asked me about it. He's like, hey, you know, you look, look, you look like you're a little different. You act a little different. So I, I told him why. I told him who Christ is for me. And he clearly, quickly told me that, hey, I'm not interested in that. And so I didn't push, but I made it very clear that I'm a believer. And I'd love to, to talk about it if he has the chance. And I remember one time at the library we were supposed to study physics got together we were studying and he just closes the physics book he's like all right man i got questions for you i'm like oh shoot <laughs> and he starts going off he starts quoting things out of the bible and they're so misquoted and i'm looking at him and he's a smart guy he really very very smart guy very educated and he starts asking about creation things and all this stuff and he's like well, God hates women. I'm like, he created them. What are you talking What? And he starts quoting this. And I, I'm looking at him and I realized he truly believes what he's saying. He's not just trying to stump me. He truly believes what he's saying. He, he somehow saw, I don't know if he read the Bible or not, but somehow, somewhere he was exposed to the word of God. But because it wasn't revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, he took a sharp sword and started swinging it without any knowledge of it, without any training. And now he's cutting his own life up. He's cutting people around him. I, I looked there and I realized that if the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal himself to him, there's not much that can be changed. And I'm very thankful to God that uh, we had many conversations like this. And I, I pray to God that the seeds that were planted will come up in his life. But that was such a clear, uh, clear example for me where knowledge is not enough. He knew a lot out of the Bible. He quoted a lot of scriptures actually very clearly. But because it was just knowledge and not a revelation, it actually hurt him. Knowledge is not enough for us to fulfill the Great Commission. Listen, I am absolutely for Bible schools. I am absolutely for internships. By the way, plug in. If you're a young person, sign up for internship. It's an incredible thing. It will change your life. I am 100% for that. It's incredible. There are many interns here. I'm looking around and I see. And I've seen the changes in their life. I personally got the opportunity to go to a Bible school in Sweden. And I, that, that changed so much in my life. It structured me so much. So I'm absolutely for that. But I also see that it has zero effectiveness in our life if it remains knowledge. If it remains knowledge, it's going to just weigh you down. If it remains knowledge, you're going to try to fulfill the Great Commission. But when you see no results, you're going to get disappointed. And many even walk away from Christ. Many say, well, I've tried. I've been there. 
Don't tell me about that. I've been there. So the next thing I want to say is experience is required. It's not enough to have knowledge. Experience is required. I don't know who I'm speaking to here, but I'm telling you that God wants to meet you right where you are for you to experience him in such a real way. Like Paul walking to the, on the road to Damascus, walking with a completely different goal, but encounters Jesus in person. Encounters Jesus who says, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Experience is needed. You need to experience Jesus. You need to experience him personally. You need to experience him in a manner that's going to that, that's put a stamp on your life. Fred, thank you so much for sharing that last Sunday. He talked about being 10 years old. Ta talked about reading about Jesus so much. Had the opportunity to read all these different stories. But at 10 years old, God touches his life. And now many years later, nothing can change him. When we receive an experience with Jesus Christ, it is there to mark us for the rest of our life. Guys, and that experience doesn't, it, it can't just happen once in our life. It's a daily thing. I need to experience God today, not like yesterday, in a new way. I need to experience God tomorrow. We need to fill our homes with His presence. That's what's going to allow us to fulfill the Great Commission. We need the experience of Jesus. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to experience Him daily. If it stays just a ritual, if it stays just a religion, if it stays just a morning and night prayer, it becomes stale so fast. And we lose hope so fast. In the book of Acts, in chapter 4, we see Peter and John. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. In chapter 3, we see how uh, Peter and John were on their way to prayer. And they walk up to a, a lame man. And he is healed. So in chapter 4, verse 13, they're standing before the council. And this is what Luke writes. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Is that powerful or what? This scripture needs to encourage you. There are two good things here. Number one, these were ordinary men. I am so excited. When I read that, I was like, that's right. I fit in. These are ordinary men. There's no special calling. There's no special requirements. They looked at Peter and John and they saw fishermen. They looked at Peter and John and they didn't see anybody that's worthy of anything. But they saw the boldness. They saw, they saw something real in their life. They saw these men standing ready to die for the truth of the gospel. And that boldness... It testified of them being with Jesus. Ordinary men. You guys all look beautiful. But most of us are ordinary people. I'm sure there's some extraordinary here. I classify myself as ordinary. I'm just an ordinary guy. But the Holy Spirit, all he needs is an ordinary person. All he needs is somebody that experiences him. And goes and does what he asks him to do. Imagine this council standing. These are educated Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes. And they're looking at Peter and John, fishermen that three and a half years ago weren't even that good at fishing. They couldn't catch fish. Failing fishermen. And now they're standing there so bold, talking about who Jesus is, talking about the Messiah, talking about the goodness of the gospel. In the, ver in the chapter prior to that, in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 6, 
Peter responds to this lame man and says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter says, I have no silver or gold. There's a lot of things I don't have, but the one thing I have, I received it for free and I'm going to share it with you. There's something I have that I'm going to share with you that will change your life. We need to have the experience of Jesus in our life to be able to fulfill the Great Commission. The Bible tells us that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He knocks constantly. He wants those experiences with us. I want to tell you some good news. Jesus is not too busy for you. Jesus is not too busy for you. He has not forgotten about you. He's faithful to his word. When we read in Matthew 28, he says, And I will be with you always till the end of the age. He's such a good God. And as we spend time with Jesus, we're going to reveal him to the world. You see, I've realized in my life that my ability to share Jesus is a direct thermostat of how much time I spend with him. You know what a thermostat is? It shows the temperature. It doesn't change the temperature. The thermostat, it doesn't change the temperature. It shows the temperature. You look at it and it tells you it's 70 degrees. It doesn't change, it just shows it. And if it's 80, it shows you that it's 80. I realize that me sharing Jesus cannot be done unless Jesus is in my life. And when I don't see that active in my life, I need to check how much time I'm spending with him. I need to check how closely I'm walking with him. I need to check when's the last time I heard his voice in my life. When's the last time I experienced him closely, personally. Because my ability to share, my ability to disciple somebody, my ability to come up to my neighbors and reveal the goodness of God is a thermostat of how much time I'm spending with him. I'll tell you what, it is impossible to be with Jesus constantly and not affect the world around you. It is impossible because Peter and John stood there. They didn't have to put a label on themselves. All they were doing was reflecting him. They were speaking the goodness of Christ because that was what filled them up. And the, the council looks and says, these men have been with Jesus. We look, we reflect the things we're around. I constantly talk about my dad. He's a good man. He's right there. I love him so much. Um, he, and he, he influenced me in my life a lot. And I remember one time, uh, an experience that I, I've, I've used this as an example already, but it's so applicable. We went to California, I don't know, 2008, 2009 with the youth. Uh, we were doing, I think they allowed me to sing in worship team back then. We didn't have really good sound technicians that didn't know that I can't sing. So they, they just allowed anybody to sing back then. But with our worship team, we went down to California and there was some kind of youth conference. Um, and so G4T was there and uh, we, we participated in the youth conference. And so we came and pretty much after coming, the service was right away. So nobody really got places to stay. And after service, we were being auctioned off pretty much. It was like... It was like a human auction, like, who wants to take him home? So you had to be really good to be chosen. It was wonderful. And uh, as we were staying, you know, kind of a bunch of youth standing around, and people are just grabbing us, taking us to their homes. Uh, this gentleman walks up and says, hey, you're coming with me. I'm uh, a little scared, but okay. I'm like, can I have some friends with me, please? So grabbed a few friends, and we 
I've never seen this guy in my life. He doesn't look familiar. But he came up with such confidence. Just, hey, you, come here. You're coming with me. I'm like, man, either good or bad. We'll see. We get in this car, and it was a Range Rover, so I was already a good start. I was like, cool, all right. We're headed in the right direction. We get in, and we're driving, and he's kind of meeting us. And then he just, uh, I'm sitting directly behind him. He's like, hey, what's your name? I'm like, Rod. He's like, your dad's name's Vladimir, right? I was like, yes. Are you a prophet? And he's like, yeah, Vladimir Konkin, right? I'm like, whoa, yeah, that's my dad. That's funny. He's not that famous, but all right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you look just like him. You talk just like him. You act just like him. And then I find out that it turns out he was an acquaintance with my dad from Russia. He definitely saw me when I was a little baby, but he couldn't have recognized me. But because he was an acquaintance with my dad, he saw it in me. He saw it in me, and I realized that people need to see Jesus in us the same way. People need to look at us and say, there's something different about you. Are you a believer? And you know, especially believers. They got to start recognizing Jesus in your life. I remember uh, when I just started this business, I bought a lot of the parts myself and was fixing these cars. And um, there's a big wrecking yard in town that I used. And for those who've never been to a wrecking yard, it's not a place that you commonly see Christians. Um, just period. It's just, there's a stigma with it. And uh, I, there was a guy who worked at this wrecking yard and uh, he sold me parts. And the second or third time I met him, I'm standing there. I'm like, this guy has to be a Christian. He hasn't said a single Christ reference. He hasn't done anything per se that, that uh, qualified him as a Christian. But there was something about him. I'm standing there. I'm like, DJ, do you believe in Jesus? He's like, oh my goodness, I was just going to ask you. I'm like, I don't know, man, just dealing with you, I could see that you're a believer. We're actually really good friends to this day now. He doesn't sell parts there, but there's something about us. We carry, we carry a treasure in these earthen jars. We need to carry this treasure. It needs to be real, and it becomes real out of that experience. It becomes real out of the time we spend with Him. It becomes real out of the mornings we spend with Him, out of the difficulties that we go through with Him, out of the, the trials that we go through with Him. He's going to bring you closer and closer to him. He's going to reveal himself to you and you're going to reflect him. We see the story of Moses as he spends the time in the mountain. As he spends the time with God, he walks down and his face shines. This is not a fairy tale. This is the reality of what God wants to do. Listen, he calls us the light. Yes? The light. He calls us the light. We shine because we're like moons. You see, the moon reflects the sun. He always remains the source, but we can reflect Him. When we posture ourselves towards Him, we start to reflect Him to the people around us. And if we don't, we're not seeing that in our life, if we're not seeing any changes around us, I'll tell you one thing. Look at that thermostat. Let it point you in the right direction. Let it get you back down on your knees. Ask Him, where have I left you, God? What's, what's taken your place in my life? You might go to church. You might read the Bible, you might do a lot of good things, but the Great Commission has to be a natural byproduct of your fellowship with Him. Your children have to naturally drive, uh, thrive towards Christ. Listen, that, that's your field. For every single one of us, our kids, the, the first person that's going to uh, show them who God is, is you. We're responsible for that. And that's only possible if we truly spend that time, if we have that experience. We don't do it for a checkbox. We don't do it for, for a roll call. We do it because life is impossible without it. And the last thing I want to say 
is that the world is watching. The world is watching. The world is in desperate need of disciple makers. The world is in desperate need of Jesus lovers. The world is in desperate need of people who've experienced the goodness of the gospel and are willing to share it. This world is a dying world. This world is in the most critical condition it's ever been before and it needs us more than ever before. God is relying on you to be the light. God has placed you strategically right where you are to be that light. God's placed you strategically right where you are to use you to share his goodness with somebody else around you. The world is watching. The world is watching. It's a dying world. And as it looks within itself for help, it realizes there is no help. It realizes politicians can't change the climate. It realizes none of this stuff can be changed. But there is one answer. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he bled on that cross. And he's the real change to this world. The world is watching you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, Paul says, The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. I want to say this again. The world is watching. The world is in need of believers to rise up. Of believers that say, I'm not going to live for my family only. I'm not going to live for my success of the business. I'm not going to live for even the ministry. I'm going to live for you, Christ. I want you to use me daily. I don't want to be used on Sundays. I want to be used daily. I don't want to be used just on mission trips. I want to be used daily. And when you do that, the only recipe you need is time with Him. You need to spend time with Him. Because sermons can't do that for us. The best stories of Jesus can't do it for us. But when you stand in His presence, the mountains in our lives, they start to melt like wax. I don't know who I'm speaking to here, but maybe it's been a while since you've had that experience. You know, the devil, he's not even trying to stop us from spreading the gospel. He's trying to stop us from having that time with him. He doesn't need to stop you from going on a mission trip. He needs to stop you from having that quality time with your father. Because if you have quality time with your father, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're on a mission trip. It doesn't matter if you're changing your oil. It doesn't matter where you're at at all. You're going to be a threat to the devil. Because the people that are going to rub against you are going to say there's something different about him. There's something different about him. I was super blessed when I got hired at uh, one of the jobs I worked for to share an office with an awesome believer. His name is Devlin Kozel. He, he's an a engineer, very, very bright guy. And quickly, same thing. I, as soon as I met him, this was a very strict company, busy. I'm like, man, that guy's different. That guy's different. So within just a few weeks of working with him, I talked to him, discovered that he was a believer. And um, somehow we got placed in the same office, and it was awesome. It was a very high-stress environment job. But Devlin and I shared a tiny little office, like back-to-back -back pretty much. 
and we loved it. We loved it. We became very good friends. We would start a lot of our stressful days with prayer um, because it was like, Lord, if you don't show up, I'm going to quit today. <laughs> I need your help. And we uh, encouraged one another constantly. And I realized, I, it wasn't on purpose, but I realized people stopped by our office. You'd have big old tough welders that swear like sailors that are macho. We had one guy, uh, he was bigger than me by like half a head and like wider than me by, by a f half a foot. He was the, one of the most intimidating men I've ever met in my life. I'm like, oh my goodness. I had to work with him and truly I felt like a small person. And this guy just as tough as it gets. I mean, tough as nails. I remember one day randomly, he just walks in, slams the door behind him. He sits down. He's like, my family's falling apart. And we spent time praying with him. We spent time sharing God's love. And no, he didn't receive Christ that day, but many times people just walk into the office, slam the door and start to unload something that they're going through. First, I didn't realize that they're not doing it to anybody else. And God started showing that, hey, you need to pray more for these people. Hey, you need to intercede more for these people. You need to, you need to shine even brighter for them. So I'm telling you, I want to encourage you to tell you the world is watching. They need people in offices. They need people at your jobs. They need people in your schools that will stand out. And you don't stand out by just bettering yourself. It's the light of Jesus, guys. There's no other secret. It's not a good habit. This isn't a 10-step process to becoming a better man. This is, I need my time with Jesus. Nothing can substitute that. As Fred said, if it's your phone, put it away. If it's something else that's distracting you, put it away. Make appointments with Jesus. Take that time. We need that experience. I'll ask the church to get up. I feel His presence here in this place. I know that He's here right now. And He's talking to somebody here. And He's reminding you of the light that you are in the place that He placed you. And that He's relying on you. And that He needs you not just to know Him, but to experience Him daily. He needs you not just to hear of Him, not just to come to church, but to make Him your priority. To make Him your everything. And out of that, you will fulfill the Great Commission. You might never go on a single mission trip, but there will be so many people at the end of your life that will say thank you. Thank you for coming into that grocery store. Thank you for, for doing business where you did business. Thank you for reacting the way you reacted. The devil hates when we spend time with our Father because we start to reflect Him. We start to look like Him. We start to react like Him. We start to have the character of Christ. And that's our greatest calling. That, out of that, your children will know God. They won't want to go anywhere else because they'll see the goodness of Christ in your life. And they'll say, my dad might not be educated. My dad might not even be successful. But boy, he's a man of God. He might have never preached the sermon in his life, but he's preached with his life every single day for me. That's our biggest calling. Our biggest calling is to fulfill the Great Commission. And it's impossible to be done without the experience of Jesus in our life. Can we just pray right now? Can we invite him to, to allow us that experience once again? Can we ask him to show up right now to speak? Speak directly to you. Speak directly into your situation. Maybe you're going through something that seems less than possible. 
Maybe there's been a, a sickness report that's completely shifted your focus. Christ is knocking on your heart right now saying, focus on me. Look at me. Spend time with me. I'll walk you through it. Maybe it's financial issues and, and you're, you're losing sleep over it. Christ is telling you right now, focus on me. Spend time with me. I'll walk you through it. I'm faithful to my word. It is because all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go and create disciples of all nations. We don't need any other prerequisite other than this experience with God. Jesus, we thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for revealing yourself to us, for changing us, for being so real to us. Jesus, we repent. We repent for those moments when we chose to do something else. We repent for those moments when we allowed distraction to creep into our life. When we allowed busyness to take over the time that doesn't belong to it. Jesus, we ask you, meet us right where we are. Let this not just be head knowledge, but let it be a revelation of your goodness. Let it be a revelation of your love. Let it be a revelation of your salvation in our life. We want to remember where you brought us from and where you placed us. You're so good to us, Jesus. We don't want to live our life in an incubator. We don't want to live our life in a selfish manner where salvation is kept for me and my family. Jesus, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will spread the truth of the gospel everywhere you put us. I pray, Lord God, open up our eyes to our neighbors. Let us receive strategies from the Holy Spirit of how to testify to our neighbors. Jesus, talk to us. Show us the best way of opening up the gospel to them. Our co-workers, our classmates, our bosses, we ask you, Lord, 